The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled Melanges and Milieus. This is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. Bonsoir, and welcome to the Melanges and the Milieus, your guide to luxury and affluence in the modern age. My name is Mr. Swips. Sitting across from myself is my less handsome co-conspirator, Mr. Dundas. We have come together to provide a derriguer service, and while we may not cover the entire plumage, we hope to pluck a few feathers of this bird. Helping us accomplish this task today is the ever-iridescent Mr. Overthrew. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? I have no complaints for you. I am doing well, as always. Um, I resent your remarks about my appearance, but as a gentleman, I oh, will it's in keep good moving forward. Come on, old sport. Anyway. All right, fellas, Let's now that we're gathered around here, this meeting of the minds of affluent, wealthy young bachelors, I would like to say, first and foremost, what are we drinking tonight, fellas? Miss Overthrow. I'm drinking a light and playful Azerbaijani bourbon. Uh, I simply couldn't tell you the name, nor would I tell you the name, for going so far as to give it a name would simply be treason in, in its home country. It comes in a, a ceramic jug marked XXX, but it is truly... Mr. Overthur, you demon you, withholding oh, I... your sources on us. No, I hide, I hide my shame from God when I drink it. Ha <laughs> ha. What is this interesting crystalline snifter you're sipping it from? It's gorgeous. This, this little old thing, oh, this belonged to my father. A wealthy industrialist. Mmm, yes. Why I... myself? Oh, go ahead. I, uh, pardon me. Excuse me. Well, you asked, you asked me, and I thought you were inviting me to tell you gentlemen what I was sipping on, but I feel like Because to go of ahead. my excitement, I simply could not contain myself. Well then, Mr. Dundas, if you would allow me, I am I permit. Delightfully drinking a wonderful sherry, which is a fortified Spanish wine for those who don't know. And it is made by the one and only Larry Bird himself, my favorite winemaker. Um he has made this for many years in his family. And for many years to come, and may his soul rest in peace. The A class act on and off the court. The the bogus uh, buffoon drinks birds blend. I myself am currently enjoying um, a concoction made for me, especially by a local barkeep. Um, I call it the bastards blend. I simply take half water, half of a Miller High Life. The other half of the Miller High Life has to be poured into the garbage. It cannot be poured into the sink or it is not a bastard's blend. And you just finish it off with a tiny little bit of Benadryl and mwah, there you have it, the bastard's blend, ladies and gentlemen. That sounds horrible. We cannot all be such uh, sophisticants like you can, Mr. Swips. Yes, well, that's very true. Anyway, we're sitting here enjoying ourselves on this fine terrace this afternoon. Uh, please almost please evening, describe this terrace and the amazing vineyard we're overlooking right now. 
Yes. I would like to make a comment here. I consider it to be a terrace, actually, but you may go ahead now. Yes, well, you're a much more worldly man than I am, Mr. Overthrow, and we appreciate it. Um, and, and he does not let us forget this, mind you. As you know, um, Mr. Dundas is, and yourself, Mr. Overthrow, are visiting me here at my manor at Manderley, and it is a pleasure to have you. I will say Mr. Dundas has been with me about a week now, and it has been absolutely wonderful, save for a few incidents. Um, just last night, I awoke in my canopy bed to a loud noise downstairs. So, while wearing nothing but my nightgown and sleeping cap, I picked up a single candlestick from the nightstand and I tipped down the hallway past the grandfather clock as the hand struck midnight, ringing loudly through the manor. And upon reaching my large library, I removed the book, Curious Studies of the Orient, which caused the shelf to move and reveal a hidden passage leading below. <laughs> it was there that I found the source of the noise as I went down the stairs. Mr. Dundas had gotten into my secret confectionery stash. It was gorging himself upon chocolate truffles like a gluttonous sow. I struck him over the head with the nearby candelabra and put him into a deep sleep. He didn't wake until the afternoon. And here we are. May, may I have one complaint about staying at your house? Um, even though I am a guest and I am not in a position to make demands, I would prefer it if instead of entering literally every single room I am in through a secret passage, that you simply walk through the easily arranged doors in your wonderful manner. Because I am frankly growing weary with enjoying myself in a large tub, bathing myself, when all of a sudden the bricks shift almost magically and you reveal yourself in your monocled form, glaring at me as if I'm some kind well, of caveman. A Mr. Dundas speaks of the other day when I embarrassed him by walking in on him, sitting in the claw bathtub covered in suds and scrubbing himself with a massive turkey leg, <laughs> taking bites in between scrubbing, and loudly singing Santa Lucia. <laughs> what a horrible sight. And, anyway, Mr. Overthrow, not to bore you. I will, in private. I will say, your manor is lovely. Uh, it is a Thank sight you. to behold. It is truly one of the finest houses of the 21st century. However, I find myself quite disturbed when I walk into the library and I, I see a flash of lightning and hear a clap of thunder. As, as the dark room is illuminated by by the by the bolt, and typically when that happens, um, and this has happened to me as well, Mister Overthor, um, one is taken aback as I was sitting in the chair reading his, you know, for such a large library, quite paltry selection of Doctor Seuss books, and I see Excuse the me. lightning bolt. Those are vintage. The lightning bolt come through, illuminating all of the taxidermied animals he has hanging on the wall from the Orient and Sub-Saharan Africa and other exotic places like Missouri. Perhaps the greatest nuisance is that all the candles are blown out also. <laughs> uh, I suppose anyway, that is what you get along, for reading gentlemen. at such um, a, a haunting hour. Happened well, at 3 p.m. We didn't bring Mr. Obertor on today to gab about my humble home, of course. This is not about me. We wanted to have you on and talk about a little bit about yourself and maybe give our listeners a little bit of advice. 
and the ways. Well, I also would like to say before we begin with this that we are all affluent, excellent, and accomplished men. And I think that we should begin by explaining our resumes, if you will. And as our guest, Mr. Overthor, I wish you would begin. Please tell us, who are you? How did you make your vast fortune? I am the the iridescent, as you said, uh, Mr. Overthor. I I hail from New York via Firenze, Italy. Um, I I did attend university. Splendid. Um, I I my several wasn't... several universities. Don't be so with, modest. Oh, with even more oh. honorary degrees. <laughs> well, I did my time at Harvard Yard. Let's just say. Incredible. My father was a wealthy industrialist, and I will admit I made my own money in uh, 2001. And here I am, a tailor to the stars would be understating it, but I do provide them with uh, silk scarves and other may, such May I bodies. ask you? Wonderful textiles. May, may I ask you, quite mm. when in 2001 did you make your money? I believe it was the summer of the shark. Splendid. Or shortly thereafter. You speak in such cryptic ways. It's always incredible to me. It's almost like everything he says is a small choice phrase of poetry. Now, Mr. Swips, please go on. Tell us about yourself. Well, Mr. Dundas, as you know, I am a businessman myself. Um, I got my start very early as well in New York on Wall Street. I was just a young wage slave, if you will. I was constantly moving, constantly working, and while I worked at my stock exchange job, I would, you know, ride my penny farthing to work every morning. At the morning bell ringing, I knew my time to work had come, and I'd be running around, there'd be paper all over the floor, and numbers, and graphs, and all that, and I won't bore everyone with the, the little details, but I moved my way up, and I invested smartly, might I say, and now I owned you know, many logistics endeavors. I own many shops. I own many docks. And a majority of shipments around the world are under my thumb. And that's how I got to where I am today. I myself, um, admittedly, do not come from quite high stock. However, uh, (laughs) however, I enjoyed most of my money and most of my success a bit later in life. Currently, I am, I own a fleet of luxury ATVs for the discerning outdoorsman. Um, many things are overlooked in such routine Honda boorish ATVs that simply want to transport lumber or logs where... My ATVs are more concerned with transporting the distinguished gentleman. We have leather cup holders, all leather seats. Um, the only colors that it comes in are flat black or white. It is just classy, roguish, well, handsome ATVs. You know, if I'm meant, not mistaken. meant to get rid of you know such silly, stupid beasts such as the donkey and the horse. If I'm not mistaken, you do have a wood paneled. ATV being released quite soon. Am I wrong? All cherry wood, beautifully striped down the middle. Really just just a sight to be seen. Whether you're mudding or going up 
some kind of exotic French mountain. It's the perfect choice for any man who wants to be in the wild, but who also wants the wild to know that he's better than them. It's very beautiful. And as you know, I love wooded finish. Um, just earlier, me and Mr. Overthur were in my front living hall, and I was showing him my wooden pygmy boat, which is a wooden kayak. And we were taking turns sitting in it and pretending we're on the Mississippi River, uh, fighting the rapids, etc. And it was a grand time. Though I'd never take one on an actual on an actual river as I cannot swim. It was the most beautiful teak I'd ever seen. And my father told me at a young age that everything you need to know about a solid piece of teak wood, you can learn by simply giving it a, a light slap with a wet hand. I must say that was just the... That it was it was a sound to behold. It was a feeling to behold. Words and, to live by, to be sure. And I, I will say that from upstairs, from my parlor, as I awoken from the candelabra room, w- uh, wound, I heard the boyish laughters of two gallant billionaires downstairs and thought, they must be on the pygmy boat. <laughs> ew, 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 ew. Oh, you knew it too well. Ew, ew, ew. <laughs> He's barking like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Such laughter the, the, was the only force that could explain um, such a gloriously expensive monocle splashing into a 40-year-old port. Imagine my disappointment when you came downstairs and revealed that he had awakened. Well, um, <laughs> I would like to remind you, as a host, I am your guest, and such comments like that are unnecessary. You'll have to pardon him, Mr. Overthrow. I must have forgot to ask the maid to change his water dish. Oh, ha, ha. I fear there's some bad blood here, and I, I, I am not referring to Mr. Dundas's breeding. <laughs> <laughs> Quite good. <laughs> Quite good. And as I will say, from commoner stock, a phoenix has bloomed. And I will not have well, you discount me. I this, I am simply more than a one-trick pony. While I also friend, own the ATVs, I also have recently purchased a brewery. My friend, if you are a phoenix, the ashes from which you come are those of Swisher Sweet Cigars. I do oh not have to stand for this ribery. My okay, okay, Mr. Dundas, we'll give you your chance to speak. Tell us of this new acquired brewery. I have renamed it Dundas Ice, and it is made exclusive mar- and marketed exclusively for college students who plan to drop out. We are beginning a 10-city run across the upper Midwest in Canada, and if mm. it goes well, we are looking to expand nationally or sell it to some arrogant Europeans. I cannot wait to uh, test my winter home in in Windsor, Ontario. (laughs) Well, as you know, college students are an easy demographic. They're stupid with their money, which means we're set to make a lot from them. So I will say, Mr. Dundas, this is quite an ambitious project of yours. Anything you can do to make a dollar and to appear and inflate your own empire is something that is good. And I will not apologize for my demographic or for my marketing. Well, I full well agree with you. And as you know, doing anything for a dollar is something we all three of us aspire by in our lives. You know, I didn't come from such riches as you say, 
you do know that my father was a Pinkerton. Right here in this town. And he worked very hard. He caught many thieves. He caught many criminals. He caught the famous pie thief, which was just a group of jive-talking blackbirds. He caught the birdbath murderer, who would destroy his victims' birdbaths in their yards. He would knock them over after killing them. It was a horrible time to live in, yet my father, he persisted, and he put them to justice. My father was not but a humble soda jerk, and his father was not but a humble soda jerk. And to consider where I am now, considering that dating back to the invention of soda, the Dunduses were nothing but soda jerks to be laughed and ridiculed at in their town of Terry Hot, Indiana, home of the federal supermax prison, to consider now the great wealth I've amassed and the finest of rich people's asses grace my beautiful ATVs that go upwards of 45 miles an hour on flat surfaces but not in the woods because that's too scary. To even consider that from the line of soda jerks who made middle-class wages just pouring soda in a cup. To consider that... It's just beautiful and part of the Dundas story and makes me feel proud of where I am today, selling beer to college kids and ATVs to rich guys. The Dundas story is nothing if not one of ambition. Mr. Overthrower, would you care to humor us and tell us of your origins yourself? Where do you come from, if it's not such a mystery? Well, I believe I can divulge a little information here. My father was a man of industry. He was a man of wealth, he was a man of power, he was a man of influence. However, as so often happens with first-generation money, he was not a man of emotion, a man of passion. He was a man of greed. My brother and I, we, we take on the, the positions of the, of the tastemakers in the family. We, we advise our father on his manner, on his dealings, and on, on every part of his life from the from the pheasants he would eat for breakfast to the pheasants he would eat for dinner. <laughs> and my mother was a champagne jerk. As I believe the name, the word is sommelier, is it not? Could you speak to us a little bit of wines? Ah, uh, you must not have come from Forensia as I did. <laughs> sommelier is French, my friend. Well, I don't, I'm not quite familiar with these terms as you are, Mr. Overthrow. That's why now, I have you on today. Uh, you will be and I when believe you come that to it... my manor. Okay. <laughs> Moving along. In due time. In your trips of Forensia, now when you head back again, <laughs> I have been to Italy once before as well. And I mm. do advise that you please try the spaghetti while you're in the Italy. Spaghetti, I God, believe, the spaghetti, my God, the spaghetti. It's to die for. I believe they call it a, a spaghetti. And if you order it like oh, that, Mr. they'll Dundas, bring you... Your Italian is Noodles as long as your arm. <laughs> just, uh, my favorite spaghetti is just where it's just one big noodle and the sauce and one large meatball sitting right on the middle and you just suck that noodle in and it slurps and gets sauce all over everyone else in the oh, restaurant. Oh, I do have such fond the, memories The meatball starts spinning and spinning and spinning due to the force of the noodle sucking. And by the time you are finished eating, there is nothing but a completely dry meatball on your plate and sauce all over the other patrons. And since it's Italy, they're all covered in sauce anyway. Ah, uh, my friend, you 
this is exactly what I remember growing up with in my childhood. I will, I will say I did so love sucking on that noodle, sitting there with a fork pointed directly upwards in my right hand and a knife pointed directly upwards in my left hand and banging on the table as I continued to suck on that one noodle while wearing a bib. You got it. Well, you got it. gentlemen, while I do enjoy the spaghetti and the pasta as you speak, I'm not so much like a gluttonous orc like Mr. Dundas here. I'm a little bit more refined. And I myself prefer the pizza. Oh. Another magnificent slice to have mm. in Italy. The the inventor of New York style pizza. There's something in the water, I tell you. All right, moving on. It's 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 always a little bit of spaghetti. <laughs> Mr. Dundas. Um moving on. Let's discuss some of the fineries of male fashion. Ooh, yes. Now, um, I think the most appropriate thing to do first is to just go and one by one describe to our listeners our outfits of the day. Shall we go in alphabetical order? Um, no. Mr. Overthor, I wish you would go first. Mr. Overthor, please <laughs> indulge us. Are you asking me of what outfit I'm wearing to describe to the listener? Yes, but describe you can clearly see what you're wearing. Of course, we have eyes, but the listener cannot see. They can only hear. I fear you don't understand my question. I'm trying to distinguish between the outfit that I'm wearing today and my outfit of the day. Is there a difference, Mr. Overthor? Is this one of your new techniques? Maneuvers? <laughs> my friend, do you not know the difference between your, your desert island wines and your top 100 wines? <laughs> The list may or may not contain any overlap. However, they are both equally valid and serve different purposes. Mr. Obertor. very similar to the difference between the outfit I am wearing and my outfit of the day. Well, I apologize. Please, I, uh, for the sake of clarity, Mr. Overthor, please describe the outfit you are currently wearing. Currently, I'm wearing the robes which I found in my chambers. However, my outfit of the day, it would be a simple silk scarf... A modern dashiki. <laughs> Quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. This is for the um, the modern connoisseur who who travels continents. Uh, for pants, I imagine a playful harem pant. And for shoes, let's say. Oh, this is quite difficult. My friends, which shoes do, would you would you suggest? Would you suggest? Uh, slippers branded from the 2001 Harry Potter movie? Or would you suggest perhaps a desert boot? I would suggest a pair of Dutch wooden shoes. Something so that now that your outfit draws attention, um, people will hear you to know to look at your outfit. And, 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 Mr. And, Dundas knows clogging the toilet and clogs also. <laughs> Very good. I love this man. I would like to mention that since I have been here, I'd never have clogged the toilet. I have only clogged the clawfoot tub with turkey bones. Well, that is because I have not allowed you to use the indoor plumbing. I make you go outside to the outhouse that has a big crescent moon on it, which you may not clog because it is a hole in the ground. And I wish <laughs> that you would stock it with something other than the Sears catalog. 
There are new magazines coming this week. I hope you like Vogue. It is a nice light read. Mr. Dundas. Uh, Mr. Swips, please describe your current outfit. Well, my current outfit, as you know, I am wearing a large mink cloak. Below it, I am wearing a satin seafoam green Celtic robe. As you know, I've become quite involved, if not dabbling in the occult. I have been constructing my appearance around the great Alistair Crowley, the English magician, as I've studied the macabre and dark rituals. And so... I have noticed you have begun to take on the air of a necromancer. Well, thank you very much. That's my intent. Now that is what I'm currently wearing. I would say my outfit of the day, as Mr. Overthrower has enlightened me to, would probably be a large smock, much like a painter would wear, and short cashmere shorts, and a pair of cowboy boots. Now, Mr. Dundas, can't hit a stripe what you're wearing. Uh, yes, I will begin from the top down. I am wearing a light and summery straw hat. The straw hat is emblazoned with my family crest, which also happens to be the Budweiser logo. Moving down, I am wearing a light summery poncho, much akin to Clint Eastwood in a movie. The good, the bad, um, I am wearing the ugly. nothing. I am wearing. Oh, no. are you discussing all of his outfits? Mr. Overthrow, please behave moving yourself. On, moving on. Underneath the poncho, I am wearing nothing, leaving my midriff exposed. Oh, could you please um, spare us? I am wearing a flood pant style khaki, letting my ankles breathe in this uh, midsummer's heat. And I am wearing crocodile shoes with elongated toes, which already make my sizable feet look quite ridiculous. My outfit of the day, perhaps, would depend on the day, of course, and I would never wear this on a Sunday, but a simple type of dress pant with maybe black and white tuxedo shoes and a barrel and overalls covering the top half. Now, Mr. Dundas. It's breathable. It's light. It works. Mr. Dundas, I know you are quite fond of the bootcut jean. Why have I not seen you wearing them as, as of late? Um, I began to feel that the bootcut jean was rather restrictive. While I do appreciate the loop for my hammer, I frankly have felt ridiculous um, similar to in Chekhov's plays, if there's a gun, it must be fired. I feel like if I carry around a hammer, I must have a nail. And I simply have been looking around your manor, your villa, for some loose nails to hammer in. But finding none, I began to feel ridiculous, like a schoolchild not picked for dodged ball. <laughs> now, those bootcut jeans look great on you. However, I found them to be quite tight around the crotch. You got a small child within. It seems as though the modern man demands a relaxed fit to his jean. I believe the modern man requires a jean that is versatile for all occasions. 
at work or at play. I believe that the foremost expert of genes, and I wish we would have him on today, um, one Mr. Brett Farr could shed some insight into that. While I do have him on speed dial, I shan't be calling him now, as I believe he is text messaging women. Uh, moving on, I would like to discuss what your gentleman's ideal outfit would be for different occasions. Now, let's use this example of a first date in a fancy restaurant. Mm. What will you gentlemen wear to that? Mr. Ovato, would you care to go first? I believe that for a first date, now I must ask a question, would this be the first date of the relationship or if I'm starting to see the same woman again after having a painful breakup and this is our first time stepping out together again, is this more of a, a first first date or a current first date? I'm imagining it as something light and summery and fun. And perhaps you took a liking to a girl that you saw, a woman. I should hope so. And contemplated so not, asking her out. This is not the same woman to whom I have been divorced. This is a, a summer fling. It is a summer fling. Let's say as you stay in the Hamptons for a four-week period in, let's say, Sean Puffycomb's guest home, and you begin to go out at night, and you see a, a particular bird catches your eye, and you want to begin to um, romance her. I must say I was imagining the ex-wife situation, so please come back to me. A paramour, if you will. If you will. But if you Mr. would like Swift, to come please back... please go ahead. Absolutely. I would say, in this situation, I would be most likely seen with such a woman wearing a large zoot suit. It would have huge, enormous shoulders. It would droop and sag and hang. And my body would look like it is swimming within it. Oh, the, uh, I believe this style is to make a return. And I plan on being the one who starts this return myself. If a listener here is interested in this look, you can go to any tailor and ask for the Kings of Comedy Cut, and they will sh be sure to help you. With me myself in such a situation as this, I like to imagine what a woman's ideal mate might look like. And I picture someone maybe with glasses, maybe with a beard, maybe somebody who wears a basketball jersey and gym shorts together. But the gym shorts can't be the same brand or even color as the jersey, because then it would confuse people to think they are a basketball player. It has to be a casual cut gym short. And let's say maybe socks. Maybe something sandals, like champion or a starter. Like a champion or a starter. Socks with sandals. And maybe just like a white, slightly dusty Nike hat. And maybe somebody, mm. you know, like I would this. prefer mentions an, an article they wrote for vine pair what a what a lovely sight to behold truly a man's man this woman i do not believe exists all right let's let's go to a different scenario if you are let's say on a light and summery picnic with a woman you have known for a long time that you would like to become romantic but it has not gone there yet what would you wear to this light and summery picnic that's a very good question. I believe that such a picnic... Well, simply, I, I simply could not wear a white shirt for my fear of getting red sauce on it. Um, or red wine, mind you. 
Or red wine, indeed. The sauce of the beverage world. Uh, <laughs> I see myself wearing the finest chinos. This, uh, this, this does not even bear the, the finest chinos you can imagine. This does not even bear being discussed. There's nothing more to discuss. I will not hear arguments of it. Now, uh, I will say... I would never wear a chino. I would never wear a Chinese because oh. I would only buy American. I will say, Mr. Dundas, please. Mr. Dundas, you know I'm describing Dockers. Cotton Dockers. Dockers are awful men that go from port to port. Now, hey, Mr. Dundas, you know I'm a docks man. I own docks. And while many of my workers are Polish and are Irish and are below dogs, I will not have you insult my livelihood. Anyway, Mr. Overthrower, I will say on a day such as this, when Mr. Dundas and I may go to the park for a stroll, maybe for a frozen custard, or myself I prefer a mango sorbet, mm-hmm. I might be wearing a blue sailor suit with high shorts <laughs> while carrying an enormous lollipop to lick. While my friend here, Mr. Dundas, was but a barrel and suspenders. And this is a classic look that has got us many dates. As I um, grow weary of Mr. Swift from time to time, I will acknowledge that we are quite the tag team when it comes to Bachelor-related endeavors. Because in the area that Mr. Swift lacks, I typically come up, and in the many self-proclaimed areas that I lack greatly, Mr. Swift mm-hmm. more than makes up for me. How lovely to see such synergy among friends. This is true. We are a bit of a gang and a gang. Now, now, since we've already kind of touched on the subject a little bit, um, I will restate for our listeners that we are all bachelors. And as bachelors, we have been quite accomplished, I'm sure. Yes. Now, tell me, fellas, do any of you have any personal rules for dating? Any any type of woman you look for, anything in particular that strikes your fancy? Well, if I may answer this question, I've been known to go after the wrong women sometimes. Don't we all? Don't we all? So I believe that my, my way of looking at it is not to say, this is what I want, but to understand what is bad for me and what I should avoid. And I must say, we know... We all love them. However, if you come across a woman and she's tall and she's got thin legs like broomsticks and she's wearing an ill-fitting dress and she's got grapefruits for breasts and she's got a bomb and a wig as a head and the fuse is lit and it's burning down very slowly, fellas, I say keep away. She's no good for you. I wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) I will say, uh, gentlemen, Uh, for my own personal preferences, as you know, I was once in my younger days betrothed to a dwarf. While she was very gorgeous and I loved her very much, unfortunately she had left me for my brother, Mr. Swips. I have since moved on. And I have been on 
the dating game for a bit while. I think I prefer to be single. I'm still quite young. And I'm still... I still have a lot of play in me, I'll say that much. Mr. Swift, so, could you please tell us your age to remind us, by the way? I would prefer not. But I was born before 1978. I will say I will not also no. tell my age, but I was born under a full moon. I must say I will not confess my age on this podcast. However, I was born at age zero. You just continue to amaze me, Mr. Overthrower. The iridescent Mr. Overthrower. Now, I have recently been drawn to a particular kind of woman. Particularly ones who ride a flying broom. Maybe have a black cat near them. Or a tall black pointy hat. And has a long pointy nose. I don't know what it is about it, but these kinds of women, they're just... They're so alluring. And I cannot help myself. I must admit they cast a spell on me too. I will say that when it comes to picking up women and um, finding women I'm interested in, typically I have not had great luck to check. Mr. Dundas literally picks them up. If I can. If if they are thin enough. Picks them up. I am well known for my upper body strength. Moving on. When I pick up women, typically I am driving down the road, as I am wont to do from time to time, to think or, you know, to, to, to go from business to business to check up on things. And usually I pick up women by, you know, I'm just concentrating on the road, and I'll see just a beautiful leg. The first thing I see, just in a high heel shoe, big, beautiful Skin leg, and I immediately slam on the brakes, right? And as soon, and I I jump out of the car, Mm -hmm. and I just say, get in, get in, get in. And nearly universally, it turns out to be a rabbit who simply wants me to stop to get a ride. And all of my hopes (laughs) and dreams begin infused in in this woman, and I just start imagining her and our lives together, and it turns out to be a cartoon rabbit using my horniness against me. I, will I say, must say that women are well, also the fairer sex. This I, is very I will true. say this as well. Men are too, too, too rough around the edges, a little bit too rigid. Women are typically weaker and softer than men, I will admit this. Now, I will propose that perhaps the most sexual thing a man might see is a bra. Oh, you demon getting started so early. <laughs> this is... This is far too much early. You'll get us started down quite the demon's road. I've had quite my share of Cherie. I, I apologize, but gentlemen, is this not why we are here? To revel in such delicacies and Typically, hedonism. Typically, I would avoid such um, discussion for is not matter of my own personal honor, but I am on my fourth bastard's blend, and I can see scarcely resist. Mr. Dundas, I believe all three of us are quite due for our own prescription of decadence. Now, let us move along. I believe that when it comes to the bra and when it comes to most matters of female clothing, my favorite part of them is taking them off. If I see a bra on the floor... I melt. As most men 
are whenever you have a one-night stand, if you will, you can tell in the morning because your ceiling fan situated directly above your bed typically has the aforementioned bra hanging from it. <laughs> Mr. Dundas, I know we have discussed this before, but one of the most beautiful things, most attractive things a woman could do is sing happy birthday to you if you're president. I have spent many, many hours listening to that recording of Marilyn Monroe. Can you describe it to us and our listeners? All right, I will do. Now, Marilyn Monroe, a lot of people don't realize this. Norma Jean. She was much larger than women today. Um, We talk about female beauty standards shifting and almost wish they should shift back to to good old Marilyn. Right. Now Marilyn Curvy. I she oh, weighed 315, 315. She weighed 315. Pounds. She was 6 foot 6. She was a size 36. She was bigger than Ray Lewis. Ooh. And like Marilyn people, Monroe could dunk. Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe could Monroe. dunk. Uh, and Marilyn Monroe gets on that stage and it's creaking under her massive frame and she starts pouting and gyrating and singing happy birthday to you happy birthday mr president happy birthday to you and president sweating artificial voice box I am. I must loosen my cravat. Pardon me. Uh, I must also loosen the straps out of my barrel and let the wind flow directly from the Hudson River into my armpits. Uh, Gentlemen, moving on. I have prepared a quiz of sorts for us to discuss. A simple game. Wonderful. A A simple simple game. game. A delightful game for all. Now... When it comes oh, to this is elements, another one of your parlor tricks, Mr. Dundas. Ah, but I think the trick itself will will not be realized quite in time. Oh, now, oh, oh, oh. I'm going to discuss elements of society that you will either find distasteful or not, and we are going to discuss these elements thusly. As we are prime examples of modern, sophisticated gentlemen, I believe we have some kind of cultural clearance in order to discuss these things. Now, I would begin this by asking you thusly, and the first question will go to you, Mr. Swips. Would you rather... Would you rather take upon a lover or embrace a paramour? Mr. Dundas, I will answer your question with a question of my own and say, why not do both? I will answer your question with an answer. And that is because in this situation, you must choose. What You cannot have the cow... And the pig and milk them both, is the old expression Papa Dundas used to say. Papa Dundas, the soda jerk. How how would one ever milk a pig, would you say? Well, um, pardon me for going low, Mr. Swips, but um, I should ask your mother about that, that one. Ah, uh, oh. fairly played, fairly played, Mr. Dundas. Well, 
I must say, as you know, I am fond of my many paramours, and I am not in any rush to give them up. So I would choose them. You would choose your mini paramours over the embrace of a lover. I have the embrace of my paramour, or my concubine, if you will. Ooh. I have one in Monte Carlo. I have one in Bangkok. I have one in Argentina, Buenos Aires. I also have one in now, Monte Carlo, and that is quite a fast NASCAR track. Moving on to Mr. Overthur. Mr. Overthur, when it comes to carrying your money, do you prefer a coin purse or a wallet? Well, to, uh, to quote the inimitable Mr. Swips, I actually prefer to have both, and I like to carry my coin purse and my wallet in a large burlap sack uh, marked with a dollar bill. Well purse. played, Mr. <laughs> Overthur. <laughs> Mr. Swips. Would you Yes. Would you prefer to take upon take on a protege or an apprentice? Well, Mr. Dundas, I see no difference. As you know, I have you. I like to think of you as both. I am guiding you and showing you the ways. If I cannot provide you with every answer, I may recruit the services of someone such as Mr. Overthur. Mr. Overthur, the final question will go to you. Please. Mr. Overthur, would you rather have a roadside picnic with your sweetie or a candlelight dinner with a concubine? Oh, well, allow me to think this through. The roadside dinner with my sweetie. The The roadside picnic with my sweetie. Uh, I imagine us lunching on... Simple, simple snacks. Cucumber sandwiches. Sandwiches of ham some, and cucumber sand- some yes, sandwiches. Some offal meats, perhaps. Ham, many varieties. Some offal some meats. Some offal meats. Some. Mr. Uh, I, I, I believe this would be the humblest of lunches. Um, Maybe I see surprise. No in this. I see no enjoyment. I see no pleasure. I believe that my uh, girlfriend would think of me as less of a man for enjoying this dinner. Because I built myself up as such a man of wealth, taste, and character. Um, that said, I also believe that the candlelit dinner with a concubine would give me greater status in the world. It would make me a more powerful leader. It would make me a better person. As a result of these simple truths, I believe that I will take the candlelit dinner with a concubine. I will have the steak au poivre, and she will have the lobster. A wise decision. Perhaps finishing with... Some icebox cake. Oh, no icebox cake for me. As you know, swimsuit season approaches, and I do not want to be a tubby little Christmas boy. Your discipline That's is fair. legendary, Mr. We could all take a page out Just of his book. Just as the silk scarf flaps in the summer breeze right now, and I stare into your crystal blue eyes, I know you are a man of quite refinement. I'm a man of pleasure and good taste. All right. Now, the first time I met, I met Mr. Overthur, he took me soaring above the clouds in his own biplane. We both wore great leather goggles and giant red scarves that blew behind us as we flew above the countryside. And I can tell you that he knows his way around the sky. 
What an afternoon that was. What an afternoon. The first time I met Mr. Overthur was at my third wedding. Um, as you may know, Mr. Swips, I have had three weddings and I have never been married. I have been left at the altar three times, every single time, by every time by an effeminate poetic type man who shows up and wins my sweetie's heart. And every time at the altar, I have been jaw agape, stunned. And it was at this third one I got wise words of encouragement from Mr. Overthur, who came to me and said, them's the breaks. And I've been thinking about that my whole life. <laughs> Those are the breaks. And as I begin to plan my fourth marriage... I am particularly worried about her ex-boyfriend, Ron. And I think this time, maybe I will hire a man to do something about it. I must say, Them's Breaks was a piece of wisdom given to me by an Italio who I passed on the street when I <laughs> dropped my ice cream cone and a... <laughs> Excuse me, I was telling a story. Please do not interrupt it. I believe it's gelato is the term. I... <laughs> You're correct. This was in Forensia. I simply got it mixed up with New York. Molto bene. Yes, yes. As I, I do know. fly back and forth so often. As I dropped my gelato and a a speck of, of its 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 chocolate color found its way onto my Oxford shirt. Well, as he stated, them's are the breaks. And I believe the first time I met Mr. Swips was as I was um, in almost what is considered a blind rage, had purchased a new business, not realizing a current legality in the time. And I actually purchased the factory from Mr. Swips, and this is how this arrangement essentially began. As a man who produces luxury ATVs, I am disgusted by the mere idea of a horse. A horse is an unnecessary, cumbersome beast, and those who celebrate them as some kind of elegant, noble creature, deserve to be ground up into mincemeat just like the horses do. And so not realizing that only Europe had enlightened laws of horse meat, I bought a horse meat factory in Terre Haute, Indiana, which has been out of business but ready to go for the last 12 years. And so you haven't hopefully... tasted it. You haven't tasted a true horse steak until you've been to one of his very fine establishments. I have been itching to destroy these foul creatures for years, as they have taken assuredly much business from my luxury ATV line. And I say, why not have a ATV do dressage and have it go over jumps oh. and have it do other refined things that a horse can do that our machines can do. It is the future, after all. And that's why, um, well, I guess the goodest time now as ever to announce, one of our recent ventures, Mr. Dundas and I, as a joint venture, we have decided to purchase a circus, which we will include horses within, and they'll be performing certain stunts that will hopefully kill them and destroy them, the audience might oh, think they're very evil Knievel type stunts, and everyone in the audience will assume it's been done a million times before, and there is no danger to the horses. But 
there will be significant danger to these awful horses and we will have clowns that are presumably polish and foolish and if they die in an accident it's no loss to anyone because we underpay them on purpose as well the great thing about polish clowns is that you do not even have to tell them to behave like clowns the foolish polish (laughs) behave like clowns on a day-to-day basis with no instruction at all the simple fact, my friends, I believe you'll agree, is that their garments, uh, polka-dotted and large and billowing and striped and in, in ways which simply do not match, I believe these match the description of a clown's garments. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Overthur. Well, they're quite foolish and they're bumbling and clumsy. Just the other day when we were watching the rehearsal, one of these clowns, one of these dirty Polacks, was walking through with another clown and they walked into the room and they were holding a large wooden beam over the shoulders. One walked in and then behind him the exact same clown walked in, looked identical to it. And then they turned and they bumped Mr. Dundas, causing him to fall off of a off of the stairs into a large vat of beer. Causing him to burp up massive bubbles and begin to see pink elephants and patchy derms. It was ridiculous. I was quite amazed as I watched those Polish men walk away. And they switched the um, carrying of the wooden beam so that they were standing horizontally. And one of them said, okay, I will carry it. Uh, I got this. And the other Polak went off to attempt to change a light bulb. And he was carrying this wooden plank horizontally, and he tried to walk through a door and ran into it repeatedly, repeatedly trying to walk into the door, unable to fit it through. And I watched this for 30 minutes as I am not a great swimmer and took me a while to get out of the vat of beer. And the pachyderms were quite confusing to me. Oh my goodness. I was only able to get out of the vat of beer because I smelled a pie on a nearby windowsill and was able to float towards it. While we've been speaking, Mr. Overthrow, you've changed what you're wearing. I have. You're you're wearing a large gown now. What is that upon your gown? What is that? Who is that? Oh, I must tell you, this is the style of the season. I have found a most tasteful gown. This is a... I'm a guest. A red number silken, mind you, as my finest refineries are. Um, emblazoned upon it is the, the character from Popeye, Olive Oil. I believe that she was the love interest of the titular Popeye. And um, I must say it's that... quite beautiful. She is... Oh, are you talking about her or the garment? <laughs> I'm, I mean oh. both. But <laughs> Mr. Overthrow, you dog. Well, I, I was recently working on a... An, I would call it a a pamphlet for my stores, uh, discussing little fashion do's and don'ts. And uh, I, I sent it to the printing presses, and I, I'm, I must have called them in a, in a fury that day, saying, you mustn't, you mustn't print this, you mustn't print this, I have an amendment to make. So I sent them on my amendment and I, after I'd found this olive oil gown, and I, I said, these days the modern man must wear a gown, and a gown is a traditionally feminine article of clothing, I'll agree, but you'll find that it, it does the job, it covers what needs to be covered. Uh, quite a, tasteful a man, oh, as thank well. You. Thank you. A man must, must consider 
purchasing or sourcing or having made a gown uh, emblazoned with olive oil from Popeye. And uh, this is simply a fashion do. Uh, fashion don'ts, I find, are often quite similar to the do's with, uh, with, with boorish touches. I've found that a boorish touch which I've seen on the streets is a, a man wearing a gown emblazoned with blue toe from Popeye, who would be the eponymous Popeye's foe. Simply dreadful. How foul. A simply Terrible. dreadful character. And a, a, I, another I, character from Popeye you you shan't be wearing is the one I, that I asked, despise. The one that asked for a uh, will gladly pay a hamburger Tuesday. Get gladly pay for a hamburger Tuesday. Will will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger that's today? That's what I yes, was I trying exactly. to say. The, the one to whom you refer. Sometimes Mister Dundas needs a little help with these things, as you know everything. Ever up there since doesn't I've quite been fire. struck by the candelabra. Things have not been going so great. Well, moving along, uh, Mr. Overthrower, I have here a manifesto, a shipping manifesto. As you know, this is my livelihood. This is my work. So I delved a bit into the archives. I have here a shipping manifesto of the names of emigrants from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Oh, the years 18, between the years 1845 and 1847. Now, I would like you to indulge me, humor me if you will, if I read a few names, and if you could tell me what you think this person may look like, or how they acted, anything about them. If you would like to not imagine them, you may do so as well. Does that sound good to you, Ms. Overthrower? With pleasure. Now, I would like to begin with the first one. Uh, The first on my list is one Maurice... Roach. Maurice. Simply dreadful. Maurice Roach. A dreadful name from the get-go. I must imagine this Maurice Roach wearing a newsboy cap and overalls of brown corduroy. Okay, a working man. A a, a working stiff. uh, Wearing a striped shirt underneath. I... I simply cannot imagine any further. Please, please do not mention Maurice Roach. Okay, we will move along to the next one. Um, There's only a couple more. I didn't want to make it too long and take up too much time. Uh, So Maurice Roach is out. Next up we have Thomas Prendergast. Thomas Prendergast. A fine fine man of a fine upbringing. Thomas Prendergast. I can imagine his hair center-parted was the style at the time, and he wore it as such. Thomas Prendergast. I can imagine Thomas Prendergast as a man, a young man around the age of 18, and I believe he has visions of going to university. Quite handsome, I would imagine. Quite striking. I, I, I will say his scar does preclude him from being classically I would, handsome. I would imagine he his would scar. be somewhat how insecure about his looks and not realize just how handsome he has become. I believe the scar was from a skating accident, but yes, he has become handsome. He has the high cheekbones of a of a strong man. Yes, I believe this this Thomas Prendergast could could pass perhaps him. he may court the daughter of a uh, prominent property owner of the region that he came to in Montreal. I could see this playing out very beautifully. And lastly, we have Owen McQuaid. Owen McQuaid. Oh, dear. Uh, might no, no, might oh I interject goodness. on Owen no, no, McQuaid? No. Please do not mention Owen McQuaid. I must 
admit that I will not listen. I, I regardless, I feel you may that speak about Owen McQuaid in one minute. La la okay. la 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 la. Mr. Mr. Overthrow, please. please, please. My fingers are in my please, ears. Please preoccupy I yourself. Please have more of your please drink. Take, a, take about a minute long please. to it. I, I imagine Owen McQuaid probably as a spunky. I will retire to the other room. I imagine Owen McQuaid as a spunky young man with messy hair, brown hair, and a large hook nose. I imagine him as being quite jealous. How foul. I imagine him of being quite jealous of other boys his age. However, growing up at around age 18, he decided to emigrate. And through this, he had visions of gold dancing in his hair, in his, in his head. Now, as Owen McQuaid became, uh, left Montreal, he thought, this is the day. This is Owen McQuaid's time. And he simply could not restrain himself from going to prison as he went for a get-rich-quick scheme that involved the kidnapping of a local viceroy's daughter. Mr. Dundas, this story sounds quite familiar. Are you sure not speaking of yourself? As for me, I come from a good, harsh lineage that descends all the way down to the Alamo itself, and as such, I would have nothing to do with this Owen McQuaid. As you know, I have made most of my money in luxury four-wheelers after a brief bout in prison in which I do not mention typically. And the only other side business I have is that I carve WWE wrestlers out of logs with chainsaws. It sounds to me like this fantastical story is quite suspect. But anyway... Moving along. Mr. Mr. Overthor has rejoined us and regained himself. I have re-entered the parlor and I'm ready to convince parlor talk. I am watching him wipe the sweat that has beaded on his forehead with a pocket square that he has taken from his luxurious robe. Well, I must admit, I did have a quite a strenuous ride on the hobby horse, but I am back to join us. <laughs> this handkerchief is quite exquisite. What is that printed upon? Is that it is sewed in silk, but it is a map of Zimbabwe. Or this is an antique. This is indeed an antique. Zimbabwe is very dear to my heart. You'll find that there is a a, 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 a a part of Zimbabwe which I simply can't describe it. It's like a, a channel. It runs north to south throughout the entire country, and I, it transports goods, services, and whatever person made desire. Diamonds, mostly. Diamonds. Diamonds, gold, and jewels. They've seen the, quite their share of troubles there. It is now Zimbabwe. It was formerly Rhodesia. But it is quite a beautiful countryside, which I was had the pleasure to visit when I was on a business trip. It is amusing. This channel I, I described, even though Zimbabwe changed its name, it has always been known as the, the Young of Africa. I believe it's the okay, Yin's River. <laughs> the Yin's River of Africa. <laughs> Mr. Dundas, I, I agreed to do this with you as long as you me- never said such a word. And now that you've gone back on that... I cannot say. While you despise the word yins, I am not your keeper, and I will speak freely as I am a sovereign citizen. And I believe right now we should throw it to, as we begin to wrap up the show, 
our sponsor of Fibonacci's Men's Perfume. Mr. Swips, you have a few words on Fibonacci's Men's Perfume. Yes, very good. Fibonacci is a wonderful scent that my company has recently acquired and has been shipping worldwide. It is a male perfume. We have to call it a perfume for legal reasons. I won't delve into the details. I... There's a lot of asterisks. Sim- simply but... put, it is a men's perfume because, first of all, challenging the gender's norms of what is and isn't masculine and a real man shouldn't care. And also because you cannot call it legally a perfume if it is 50% ivory. That is exactly on point, Dundas. As you can see, Mr. Overthrow, I have trained him very well. I resent, I simply resent the accusation. Would you like me to continue with the advertisement? If, if would I would, you, you, like I would you like you to continue with the advertisement? I if believe you that are Mr. Dundas si- appropriately puts the pig in Pygmalion. <laughs> I, I am calmly Mr. Mr. putting down my bastard's blend. I am preparing my white slapping glove, and if you Dundases would stop attacking me, I would be glad to continue the show. Otherwise, I have some very old pistols we can shoot at each other. We're not going to use the guns, dude. You can't. You can't. We're not going to take out the guns. Just shut up for a second. So Fibonacci, it is only one hundred USD. You can get it online it for, for an US order. Dollars. We ship worldwide. U.S. dollars. Thank you, Mr. Overthrow. Uh, Mr. Dundas. Pardon me. Now that we've gotten the sponsorship out of the way, is there anything else? I believe Mr. Overthrow had a toast prepared for us. I did prepare a toast for my lovely host and his lovely guest. Would everyone please stand? Take your right hand. All right, we are standing now. Hold your right hand out at chest height with your palm facing downwards. And slowly, at a speed of 60 degrees per second, rotate it so that your hand is facing palm upwards. It is done. And And with your left hand, you may skip the formality of rotating at such a speed and simply... Place it with your palm facing upwards, moving your fingers so that your outermost fingers, and I'm not including the thumb here, your outermost fingers touch tips while your innermost fingers are actually angled slightly away from each other. Like so, as you can both see. As we are all doing right now. Correctly, might I add. And join me in a toast. To old friends, new lovers, fine wine, women... The songs which our fathers sang to us in our bassinets, and the blade which bids us protection now and always. <laughs> that, that, cheers. cheers. All right. And taking a customary drink, and uh, it is time to bid. Was that poison? <laughs> give it a few. Metal give it a few seconds, and you will. Re- you must simply be Mr. Dundas's. Preferred Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey. <laughs> well, if you gave it a few <laughs> seconds, you would see that it is not poison. 
and it is simply a delightful drink. The ambrosia of the gods, a Miller High Life. <laughs> now, thanks to that beautiful toast, I'd like to give one more thanks to Fibonacci's Cologne. I'd like to give thanks to my co-hosts. I'd love if everyone out there would continue the pursuit of the masculine ideal of fashion and bachelordom and absurd, absurd wealth. Uh, gentlemen, I will bid you adieu. Mr. Dundas, thank you very much. Mr. Overthor, is there anything else you might wish to say? I wish only to bid my fellow podcast co-hosts adieu. Adieu. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. And I would like to say thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Mr. Dundas. Thank you very much to the eloquent, the fashionable, and the... Iridescent. Timeless. Mr. Overthor. Yes. Iridescent. Thank you. I'm Mr. Swips. This has been the Melanges and the Milieus. Join us next week where we discuss the conspiracy of Baba Black Sheep and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Spoiler alert, it's the same song. Goodbye. Goodbye.